Hello, everybody. It's Gracie, and I am back with a conversation that I am just thrilled about. I have Sarita Rhodes with us today. Hello, Sarita. Thank you for being here. Gracie, thank you for inviting me for this conversation. Sarita is a magical human being, which is uh, so appropriate that she would be on this podcast series about magic that I'm doing this month. And she is somebody that I've known for a really long time in my life. I met Sarita when I, I think I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. She was part of the same church youth group. It was like a very hippie church for those of you who know it, Unity Church and their youth group, um, YOU Youth of Unity. Uh, Sarita grew up in Arizona and I grew up in Washington, D.C., which is pretty far, but there was a, a, a church conference every year in Kansas City, Missouri, Police Summit, for those who are in the area, <laughs> at Unity Village. And I, like Sarita is one of those people that when you meet her, you were like, who is that person? I want to know more. I want, she, she just carries the energy of love and joy and magic with her. And so it's been such an honor to be able to be friends with you for, um, you know, more than two decades now. And uh, I, I've really gotten to delve deep into the magic with Sarita, especially over this past decade that we both were became yoga teachers and started to lead yoga retreats all around the world. It's <laughs> true. How, how magical is that? Like looking back, I'm like- Super magical. We got to, we went as far as Bali. We went to Costa Rica multiple times and um, uh, really got to meet a, a, a great group of people that were attracted to taking these retreats and who really wanted to play and have fun and practice magic in, um, in just beautiful places. And, um, and so I'm very happy to have this conversation with you. I wanna know all that you know about magic. I wanna create magic <laughs> with you in this conversation. And I also wanna read your bio. Okay. Because Sarita is not only a yoga teacher and my friend, she's also a very accomplished dancer and um, student of movement and teacher of movement. So Sarita Rhodes is a movement artist, researcher, and mama. She is a beautiful little boy. She recently graduated from Trinity Laban Conservatoire in London with an MA in creative practice and an MFA in dance science, where she focused on creating dance rituals for health and healing. Magic. Mm -hmm. Her current studio practice relies heavily on anatomical and poetic images, prenatal yoga practices, and breath work. Sarita regards movement as a practice that builds freedom and joy in the mover and is grateful for a life full of dance. Yeah. Sarita, <laughs> tell us more about yourself, uh, like how, how you have come to be who you are at this stage of life and how magic has influenced your journey. Crazy. Hi. Okay. Well, I first just want to, I mean, everyone who's here knows how magical Gracie is. And there's always been a, um, a mirror image for me with you. I was thinking of you at 15 and I'm pretty sure you were wearing overalls and I'm pretty sure I was too. <laughs> I love those overalls so much. So yeah, just this the synchronicity of our, our paths and you've brought so much magic into my life, but we can dive into that a little bit later. But I think magic, ooh, magic was immediate because I was always such a, a little artist baby drawn to um, creating, creating my own worlds, which for a while happened 
through paint. I loved painting. I loved writing. I have this book I got to make when I was eight years old. And, you know, it was like an actual book. We, we wrote the book and it was a chapter book. And then we, we painted the cover and we wrote our bio and we included a picture of the author. And in the, in the bio, I write, writing is easy, <laughs> which we all know it ain't <laughs> when you grow up. But I think being empowered to do really cool, creative stuff as a kid and being seen as important and powerful really allowed my magical side to flourish. I really believed in the importance of my dreams and my visions from a very, very young age and have really maintained that because I've been influenced and surrounded by really, really incredible people like yourself, like our best friend, Justin, like Lindsay, you know, these wonderful influences who, who encourage magic and who notice, who notice magic. So I think I'll just stop there for a second. Mm. <laughs> going on, but. Yeah, it, it, I, I was just for a moment trying to picture you um, after college, just like being like, well, I guess I got to get a job and like putting on a suit and like going out into the world to like become whatever it is. And I, I just like those does not compute when I think that way. Yeah, and, I um, that. <laughs> and what, a, what a loss it would be for you to have done that. And I don't I don't mean to speak um poorly of that for anyone's reality because I, I am married to a person who like like wants nothing more than to like put on a suit and go do his work in the world and that's like really important and how he like how he functions but I, I think of how many of us are out there trying to pour ourselves into a form that's actually not what our what our like spirit or however we want to say like wants to express magic in the world mm -hmm. and um, I'm just grateful that you followed your path yeah it's it's actually very interesting I did have I had a moment I love, I love sharing this story. So I had a moment in Wells Fargo Bank many years ago when I was becoming a yoga teacher. I just graduated from dance. I was getting little paychecks for performing of 200 to $500. And I went into the bank. I think I needed to like ask them to forgive a late payment or something like that. And the teller looks up my, looks up my account and says, you know, we're hiring. <laughs> my reaction was laughter. Like it was just laughter. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I would really rather, <laughs> I would really rather the life I'm, I'm on, which is not at that point was not one of financial prosperity. It was one of deep creativity and, you know, it, in your 20s, you can live with that financial stress, which I'm grateful um, to the universe that that has been definitely part of my journey, actually, of my magical journey is looking deeply at finances, looking at how, you know, my childhood being raised without talking about money, looking at, looking at money as a magical practice, how to talk about it, how to engage with it, and how to bring abundance into your life, how to visualize abundance how to be abundant without the means of abundance, which is a very interesting challenge, but 
important, especially as you're creating your own life and creating your own family. And then um, finally, at this current moment, because life is a path and is mysterious and brings lots of change, but in this current moment, sitting in gratitude to abundance, feeling very abundant and that that work has, um, has, has really paid off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very, very grateful for that, especially as an artist to be able to divorce my creative practice from money is, is also a huge, huge, huge gift and a magical, a magical one. I'm so glad that you're bringing in the, the realities of life so quickly because this whole conversation that I want to be having over these next couple of months, it's attention and it's an integration between magic and reality because I, I think that um, so much of what we are kind of many of us assume about magic is it's like an escape from reality and it's where we go like like I'm gonna watch that like mindless like kind of magical movie because I don't want to deal with like looking at my bank account right now because it gives me so much anxiety yes. and so um and I think what you're saying right now already that I'm hearing is like how do you kind of like find the the feelings and you find the energy of something even when the reality doesn't quite there and I, I think this is so key because I see people out there and they are like amassing money and possessions and almost like hoarding them, but they still don't have that underlying feeling of abundance. Yes. And I, I look at a lot of like the sickness that's out there in terms of people who have so much and people who have so little. And I think that that like not being able to actually experience the magic of the feeling is behind so much of what causes um, actual really big things on the outside where we're, um, we're denying our like pleasure and we're actually uh, blocking it from other people as well. It's true. It's true. There, we are living. I, I keep being in this moment. I so I am married to someone who is very, very disciplined, and who also puts on a suit and and you know that is part of his identity, of working really hard. But one of the things that we have in common, because there are some commonalities. <laughs> is we both really can see this moment as a critical juncture for humanity's consciousness. And we practice in different ways. He has a morning meditation practice and I have a later morning movement practice. And both of these practices we feel are critical not only for ourselves and our children, but actually to engage with this energy that's happening around the world where there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people practicing yoga, practicing meditation, and to join that river of energy and to hopefully be able to engage with the higher consciousness that we need to move towards, I believe, for our for our long-term um, survival, our long-term sustainability on this planet and to engage in that moment, even if it's just momentary, that moment of abundance that lives inside of all of us. And we can consider it a moment or you consider it a place, but there is uh, something that resides in all of us that is is where we connect to something greater. And, and if we don't do that on a regular basis, it's really easy. It's really easy to find scarcity because scarcity and fear 
and anger are really surface level, easily engaged and often practiced emotions of the human mind because we're animals and we need those things in order to survive. And we've, as a species, done an incredible job at surviving. So we've been really, really successful with these strategies of, of really big emotions that now we're kind of seeing as potentially negative, but they don't need to be negative as long as we can learn to use them in a positive way. And I just think we're at a really challenging moment where we're going from an individualistic mindset to a necessarily communal mindset. And the, necess the necessity of it is the challenge because that's what we need to meet in order for our babies, your beautiful family and my beautiful baby to, to be able to transcend this moment of scarcity. And the, you know, the reality is we're living at the most peaceful time in, in human history. <laughs> Apparently, that's what they tell me. <laughs> That's what the research says, uh, with the most food. So there's the most abundance, the most abundance of materials, of technology. So we have the capacity to feed everyone, to clothe everyone, to take care of everyone. But the reality of getting to that space requires, I believe, an energetic shift and a shift of um, values on a large, on a large scale. The, I, the podcast episode that I recorded right before ours, the one that is coming out before this one in the series is with someone named um, Rochelle Faithful and they are a street shaman in Washington DC, really cool people. And they were saying that, um, that the hyper-individualistic shift has to go to the communal. Like that was where we landed in our conversation. So I love that we've already gotten right there being like wow. what, that there is a technology that is necessary that I think so many of us have been individually practicing right now in terms of spiritual practice, in terms of just our own like centering grounding practices that it's, I'm feeling the call right now to, to bring that in to community. And that yeah. it's like when enough of us are doing it individually and then we can join together in small communities. And I feel all these small communities practicing and then it's like, what is it to bring it all together? And I think that's how we start to make a bigger shift because like you said, like we, we're growing enough food for everybody right now yes. in the world. Yes. We're like throwing away food. People are burning crops. So it's like the systems are really broken but the actual yes. abundance of the earth is, is there. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know how you define magic. I love that we've like given a lot of examples of how it shows up, but I want to know how you define magic. And, um, and I also want to bring in one other piece that I'd love to hear your thoughts on and how that differs from something called spiritual bypass. And we, we grew up in this church I was talking about before, and it was a lot of like love and light, like that was like positive affirmations, love and light. And, um, and I have found as I've gotten older that, that those skills have served me so much to have a beautiful vision, to believe, to like, just know how to like bring forward like the most positive thing I can. And, um, and it hasn't served me so well in terms of just learning how to feel like pepper feelings of life, learning how to show up and look at things like systematic racism, like we were talking before this call, like abuse of children, like really heavy things in our world. And, um, and so how do you see the difference between something like magic and then something like spiritual bypass, which I see as more of a form of denial of like the hard part of life? Yeah, um, so I will work to separate those out. So we'll start with the, the magic and how do I see 
how I see magic showing up or how does it, how do I define it a little bit? Um, yes. Yeah. So magic. Ooh, Matt, it's so big. It's so big. It's as having a child, this magical thing, being pregnant, being pregnant is so magical. And yet when you're pregnant and you're in that magical space of change and growth and experiencing two heartbeats in one body, you look around and you see, there are so many pregnant women. (laughs) There are so many of us doing this magical thing. So I think the first thing to do is to separate the idea that magic is somehow special. Magic is mundane. Magic is everyday magic surrounds us. Magic is like the air that we're breathing because that's incredibly magical if you really stop and think about that. Um, The fact that we're here, what our cells are made of is magical. I was talking to my son who's 18 months old and we were talking about breathing and then we were talking about pooping because of course you you talk about all these things. Yes. And I said to him, you know, everything poops everything poops, even the cells in your body poop, which is true. I don't know if everyone knows this, so I'll just share this because this is something I've been studying is that the cells in your body, every cell, your blood cell, the cells in your kidney, the cells that are moving around in your brain, every single cell, and we're made up of hundreds of billions of cells. Um, Every cell absorbs, which is considered eating, it absorbs new nutrients and it releases old nutrients. And then those get swept up and cleaned out through your body. So every single process cleanses itself, which is pooping. So everything poops, right? And like, no, it's not magical, but it's incredibly magical. (laughs) I I just want to pause and say that if you have like been constipated and you have a really good poop, like that is magical. Just that pooping can be so magical. It's true. And I think anyone who really knows me knows I really actually do like to talk about bodily functions and bodily processes, not only to, I've spent a lot of time working with kids. So it's really important that you normalize the body and its processes with children. But we actually start to get even more uptight about it as we get older. So I really actually think it's important and important and magical to talk about these things that we just don't think about, you know, I mean, again, silly example, but I have an 18 month old and I was looking at one of his books and it had a cow in it and it had a horse and it had a pig and it had a cat and it had a dog. And you look at these animals and you're like, oh, we're so connected. We're all on the same planet. That's beautiful. We care about them. I, my son loves to hug his, book, hug his books, the animals in his books. So he hugs the actual book. And it's so sweet. But on an even deeper level, you look at these animals and you think, Ooh, a sec, wait a second. All of them have two eyes, have a nose, have a mouth have ears, have a spine, have a tail, have a digestive system. Oh my God, we're totally related. Life is magical. So I think when I really look at it, I'm probably just a really old school earth worshiper. I just think the sun rising and the sun setting 
and the moon cycles themselves, it's, it's the easiest thing to engage with, but it's also the easiest thing to ignore, if that makes sense. And those are the things that we can engage with every single day and, and it's magical. And if you treat yourself like magic, and we've had a lot of these talks about body and worth, if you treat your body like magic, well, that means you really shift what you put into it, what spaces you put it in, what danger you, you take yourself into, um, what, what you ask it to engage with as a practice. You know, I think a lot of people are in a habit of engaging with their body last. And of course, as a dancer, I, I prioritize my body out of necessity, but it's also because it's the vessel, it's the magical vessel in which I get to experience everything. Everything in my life is through my body. It's not just through my mind. And that's an easy thing to imagine during COVID where we are getting to see a lot through screens, but, but there's a lot that this moment is actually offering us in terms of paying attention to what we're doing with our bodies, what our homes feel like, what we bring into our home. Um, are we able to fit in that tiny amount of exercise, which I know again is a really mundane word, but anyone who's exercised for 10 minutes can feel the difference, can feel the shift of the breath in the body. Yeah. And that's magical. So, you know, we could go on and on and on about the, the tiny things that are magic, but I do think maybe in the end, the easiest way to put it is it's a mind. It's just a, a state of mind or a way of looking at the world that can help you engage with. And, and I need to practice this, of course, you know, I'm not saying this as, as an expert in this, but these are the things I see as magic that I engage with every day that I try to, I try to be really aware of. So, and there, I love that so much. It's so powerful. It's so simple, and it so feels so true when you say it. It is true. It's just true. <laughs> and I, I get so sad when I think about just so many things that our capitalistic consumerist culture has has uh, created dysfunction in. And one of the things that's really coming up right now is that I think we think that in order to be magical, we have to be special and yes. we have to work harder. And that's what perfectionism is, is that we have to work harder. We have to shine. We have to get the promotion. We have to like be the star. And then we fantasize that it's only in those moments that we really get to give ourselves that care that we need. And what, and what I have found about self-care is it's like, no, you give yourself the care you need and then you see what path you take, you know? And I, everyone, I think everyone's path is different of what we're here to do. And so some people really are meant to be the star and that's like important. And some people are just meant to like wear a suit and go to work and like deeply love their lives. And like, yes, yes. And, and I do think- right. And I do think, and we need to acknowledge this is where spiritual bypassing can become part of the conversation and the systemic oppression of certain groups needs to be part of this conversation because there are, you know, there's, there's the argument that I hear and I hear it even when I, I'm speaking. So I want people to know that I'm, I am aware of that even as I'm sharing these ideas of the magic in the mundanity I know that there are circumstances that make that much more 
challenging, like poverty, like a, um, like mental illness. I think that's important to bring in because many, many, many adult Americans and even, and, and even of course adolescents and now children, they're experiencing a lot more anxiety. Um, so there are, there are circumstances that can make seeing the magic or engaging with the magic much more challenging. And also, I also want to say that that's why it's important that the magic is mundane because it's not something that you have to move outside of yourself to see or to engage with, but it's something that is always there and is a, is a practice of seeing. So there is that tension to, it's always available, yes, and it is harder to engage with when you have anxiety, you have depression, you are struggling to make ends meet, you're worried about your children, you're worried about your job. Um, you know, you're, so these need to be acknowledged. And I think this is again, maybe where spiritual bypassing can come in because to me, I think about the word action when we talk about spiritual bypass. It's really easy if your life is easy to engage in a yoga practice and to treat your body like a temple because you have the money for the $10 juice. And, you know, maybe even to make a donation to the ASPCA or, or, you know, the Boys and Girls Club, whatever, which is important. I shouldn't actually say whatever, that is important that we're tithing, that we're sharing our abundance. But where's the action? Where's the actual, the actual action? And again, the challenge is we live in a very demanding world right now that's moving very quickly and doesn't offer us a lot of space and time with extra time, with, with extra space. Not many people have that kind of abundance right now. You know, even those that have financial means you know, and a lot of times people that are working and making a lot of money don't have enough time for their kids, don't have enough time with their spouses, um, aren't fully nourished themselves in a spiritual sense. So I get a little bit away from spiritual bypassing, but I guess what I'm saying is there's, a, there's an engagement that I believe needs to happen. And you know, when I really reflect on it, I'm not sure I'm doing as, as, an, as a new mom, as someone who just graduated, I don't feel like I've had the space and time to fully engage with how do we, how do we take the action of our own practice and share it in a meaningful way with people or animals, depending on who you are and what action feels most important to you or minerals. <laughs> <laughs> human animal mineral whatever it is and in really engage with these activities in a way that can help put that higher consciousness that we're moving towards into systemic action now you know which obviously needs to start with personal actions so it's a really challenging conversation and I haven't you know obviously George Floyd really brought a lot up 
which is we're so grateful for him and his spirit and and that that moment frankly that is so shocking and but really brought out this uh, collective violence that we're all experiencing because we're all we all experienced that um, and you know from both ends you know we we saw the kind of callous just quiet authority of the police officer and we saw the the anguish and the separation and the victimization of uh, Mr. Floyd himself. So we got to witness both of these things. And frankly, it, is, it was a huge gift to our society because something about that in this moment of collective crisis of the, the global pandemic allowed us to see how we're part of both things mm. and how we can be both the victim and the perpetrator in that exact moment. Yeah. yeah. So where is the forgiveness to ourselves because we are engaged in the system that is that callous, that is that patriarchal, that is that violent and also how do we how do we hold the child who called for his mom how do we hold that anguish and it's a big moment we're in gracie it's yeah. a really big moment and i don't i definitely don't have an answer but i think i do think my hint is that it's in taking action somehow and an action that's a little bit more than and this is where um Probably the neuroscientist and philosopher Sam Harris would disagree with me. I listen to him uh, speak sometimes and he talks a lot about automating what's important to you. So if you really believe in a cause, make an automatic payment, which agreed. I do agree with that. If you found something to, if you found a group um, or something to support, make it an automatic payment. So you don't have to think about it. Just so you don't think about your phone bill. It, it happens every month and you're supporting this thing. But I would take it further and say, we also need to be cerebrally, analytically engaging with this moment, not just spiritually engaging with this moment, not just saying, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go sit, I'm gonna go meditate. I'm gonna go, I'm, that's how I'm gonna engage. There is an engagement, there is an activation. And I'm sure someone, you know, I'm sure many people would argue with that, that maybe meditation is enough. But I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that in order to change systems, we actually need to show up, you know? Yeah. So yes, we show up to vote, but like, I don't know. I have to, I know I've been talking a lot, but I just want to say this one other thing. That's yeah, just I love it all. <laughs> it's been itching, it. itching, itching. We teach our kids they can be precedent. We teach our kids, oh, you can be anything. You can be the president. Okay, you guys, fuck that. <laughs> they can be on the local school board. Baby, baby girl, baby boy. You know what you can do? You can join city council. You can be engaged yes. in your yes. local community because that's where change actually happens. You don't need to be an activist. You don't need to march. You can if you want to, but you can show up to the meetings that are happening. You can get programs going. 
You can bring an idea. You can bring a complaint. You can get a speed bump on a street that feels dangerous for your kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can make changes. And I think that's the thing that we've gotten wrong and is about what you were saying, the specialness of our culture. Like, oh, in order to be magical, you need to be special. You can be the president. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be the president, but I do care about my baby's schooling and all of our babies schooling. I want them all to be bilingual. How do I make that happen? I don't need to be on the school board, but I can go to those meetings and they can sure recognize me. <laughs> yes. Here she comes and here's a petition. <laughs> so it just feels like engagement, engagement. Thank you for all of that. So yeah, yes, yes, yes. It makes me think so much about the Bhagavad Gita. (laughs) Really? Yeah, just, you know, like, I I don't think I've fully read the Bhagavad Gita, but I've like studied it enough through yoga teacher trainings. And it it is this like ancient kind of like um, yogic text around um, the story of Krishna and Arunja, who's like Krishna, Arunja is his, um, Krishna is his chariot driver and he's taking him into battle and he doesn't really want to fight. And, he, and Krishna's like, dude, you got to fight. <laughs> and he's basically like action. You have to take action. You have to fight. And I love it because it's yoga. I think so many people imagine yoga is this like, you know, peaceful, just kind of meditating. But I love that this like really formative text of yoga is like, no, you go out and you take this into the world and you kind of like create and you, and I think one of the biggest fights within uh, us all is like with ourself, you know, which you were talking about before about this fight of fear and, um, and like authenticity, like going up against one another, like, am I allowed to be who I really am? Am I allowed to like shine and have to um, kind of take the leadership journey mm-hmm. that has to go with me shining, even if it is it just because it is like you going to the school board of like, I'm going to have to use my voice and I'm going to have to risk what other people think about me and that. And, um, and I think that that is like, when we can make peace that that is the ongoing kind of battle within ourselves all the time, it gets a lot easier, I found, to, to bring it out into the world. Wow. <sighs> and it's, um, there, we've had some gun violence in our neighborhood here in Washington, DC, just a, like a couple of months ago, like some really horrific gun violence that happened just like, like the next block over. And we've, Mike and I, my husband and I have been sitting with that and really just trying to figure out what do we do and what's our fear as, you know, and what's our responsibility and we're gentrifiers and how does that come into this conversation and, you know, class distinctions <laughs> within yes. all of this and what are the opportunities for, you know, the, the young men of color who th- th- were doing this and um, how do we contribute to that and white supremacy and so many things that's so complex. And I, I feel like there's so many ways in there that it would be easier just to like, be like, well, that's, that's it. And we're going to move to this place. Cause that gives the illusion of being safer. And what I, what I continually feel is like the mandate of the moment to be like, I am here. Like we are in community. Maybe this, like you could argue about the critique of why we should or should not be in community in this way. And yet these are my neighbors yeah. and I want to have this conversation. So we've been doing some just really local organizing with like our neighborhood commission and trying to get our neighbors together. And it's, it's been really, it's been magical. It's been powerful. We're getting to know our neighbors a lot better. It's, um, it's uh, just opening up space for some really complex conversations. It's bringing up a lot in me around like my whiteness and like what, what responsibility do I have to like share that? And also like, where do I need to hold back 
because mm. of that, because this is mm. not the neighborhood I grew up in. And, uh, and I think, you know, when you talk about what a complex moment we're in, I just like to give a personal example of that yeah. too. And, and the, the taking action though, it feels very challenging and very therapeutic at the same time. Yeah, I, I believe, you know, I'm out of practice in this and I just wanna just be really open with your listeners, with our friends who are listening to this. I am out of practice in service and in engagement. I have, maybe it is spiritual bypassing and, you know, the, oh gosh, there's, there's a word that's escaping me, but this idea of busyness. I recently moved from London back to Arizona where I went to high school and where all my family is. And that's where we're settling with our family, with our, our babies at the moment. Um, and that will probably change because we are travelers and we are, <laughs> we won't be here probably forever. Maybe we will. But in that movement, having moved from New York to London, back here now to Arizona, there has been a kind of perpetual excuse of, oh, but this isn't my neighborhood. Oh, but I don't really live here. How do I engage in a way that, um, you know, feels comfortable, but isn't necessarily um, owning that these are my neighbors? And I think that's been a really interesting part of my journey even in London, I really recognized it in London because I felt so busy and so burnt out in New York, which is part of why I moved. But then in London, there's so much movement happening around um, the global crisis, the environmental crisis that we're in. And I lived in a really hip, getting gentrified neighborhood um, called Peckham Rye in, in Southeast London, where there was lots of ways to be part of the community and yet that busyness, that graduate school, pregnancy, early babyhood, you know, there's like, there are a lot of excuses and I just wanna just call myself out and acknowledge that that will always be true. Those will always be true. There will always be busyness, work, family, engagements and it's really time. It's really time to step into the uncomfortable zone of, I don't know how to fix this, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna engage. I'm gonna be part of my community. And yeah, I think, you know, in the same way I need to, maybe some of your listeners also need to just reflect and say, okay, I have a lot of personal magic, but how can I take that into the world? And I think Again, for me as a teacher, a lot of it goes right into teaching. I'm like, oh, how can I share this movement practice? And yes, that is important. But then, you know, so is where I'm living, like the work you're doing. And I always just, I do want to say this, Gracie, because I feel like it's so, so true. You've always been on the vanguard of what's next. And I really, you know, I know that you're younger than me, but I also, I look up to you because you know, you've brought tarot into my life, which is a hugely important part of my magical practice. The tarot, I mean, oh my God, what will we do without it? <laughs> I know, exactly. You brought Ayurveda into my life. 
which looking at rhythms and ritual, which is the most important work really that you can do around magic. Because it, again, it just brings the mundane right home. The magic and the mundane just meet in Ayurveda so easily. And then to hear that, you know, and then you had your babies and then I'm having my babies. And then, and then you're just to hear the story of you working with your, your local neighbors on violence happening in your community. I mean, that's, to me, that's the work. That's the actual work. And I just honor you as a way shower for me because I, I just, Aww. yeah, you really guide the way. You really do. Oh, make me cry. (laughs) It's really true. I'm really grateful. You're you're someone who's always, always really brought that, like what is next? And I feel like, you know, that's not, that's not pressure. That's just you and your beautiful Sagittarius-ness showing us. (laughs) Just like arching all the time. Like where's the the arrow going? I know. I got this brain of mine. Yeah. I know it's not easy. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I ask, you know, it's a thank you for that feedback. It's always, you know, so special and so uncomfortable to get feedback like that, but I really, <laughs> it means a lot. And, and so I, I'm going to offer a little bit right back to you too, as well, because I just, you know, you're talking about what have I been doing and like, I just really want to like uplift the role of being a mother mm-hmm. and being a parent. But it like I, I needed to hear this during the uprisings of just like Black Lives Matter in the street. Everyone was like, I'm going to protest. And like Mike and I would just talk to other, like, can we go? And we're like, no, we're not going. Or like we went to this one like drive-by honk by thing and it took us like two hours round trip. And like there were like we were like actively protested for like seven minutes and both kids were breaking down. And like, I'm so glad we did that. But I was just like, no, we're not going in the streets. And I had so much grief and so much guilt. And I needed to like, Lindsay, another good friend of ours sent me this post that someone was like, you know, the mothers out there, like teach your kids how to garden, you know, teach your, like let your kids like, like be the way showers for us. And like that, like, like upliftment and like attention and care that we're giving to this next generation is like such a powerful form of activism. And I know, I just know a lot of parents out there when we're so focused on that journey, it, 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 it it's the way that like society is like structured it is that we have to be so insular in the nuclear family sometimes. And it's, it is challenging. And yet you're doing such important work and, and you're just what you have taught me about movement and loving my body and being free in my body and having fun in my body has been so powerful. And I think so much of what like the ultimate F you to the patriarchy is, is how to like enjoy having a body in the moment. And like, I can work and work and like send out emails and like, protests and if I'm not still like loving this physical gift that I've been given uh I don't think it works like I I think you can just work really hard on the hamster wheel even of activism and it's if we're not fully like in our bodies like it's it's not really the solution I think we're still kind of like furthering the problem so I I think there's a lot of magic and doing doing the thing that you're here to do and letting go of what what doesn't feel as natural. I don't know. I think it's attention. I think sometimes we need to push ourselves and just yeah. be like, I don't, I'm kind of uncomfortable, but I'm going to do this. And then there's sometimes where you're like, it's the discretion of like, you know, someone else is going to do that because like, like they're going to wear the suit and go to that meeting and advocate. <laughs> and I'm going to like lead this movement practice and help people remember what it feels like to like unify breath and body together. And I, I think you just the magic that you bring and what the study 
and the roots that you've grown in that in these past few years have been really powerful. And I'm, I, I'm like so excited to see like what you continue to offer the world in those realms as well. Thank you, Gracie. I appreciate that. I do. I appreciate that. It is the tension, isn't it? It's the tension and it's, it's the lifelong tension. Like you've mentioned, it's not going to go away. So trying to find the balance always, always. It's not that you find balance. And that's something I think that movement really teaches you. Balance is movement. Staying on one foot, even just for a moment, and you feel the movements of the four corners of your foot constantly. So it's not one thing that stops. It's constant. And then you fall. But then you took put your other foot down and whew, stability. How nice for a moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, as, as we wind down our like, beautiful conversation here, I'd love to know what magic you are integrating into your self-care is you're in you're moving into a new stage of life right now. I'm curious, like what, what feels emerging in your own self-care right now? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so I'm pregnant. I'm 19 weeks pregnant. <laughs> um, my baby is the size of a pomegranate. I just read that. <laughs> magic (laughs) total magic and wow the self-care that my self-care is actually requiring a lot of self-discipline um I've been asked not to pick up my son which I don't know if you had that when you were pregnant with Rose but my my placenta is somewhat forward and low at the moment so in order to really take care of myself and I do need to consider it myself of course it's the baby I'm carrying but it's myself I have to take care of myself I'm having to um, ask my son to be a little bit more patient and to have uh, and to create a to create a boundary and of course it's a soft boundary because he is 18 months old and I when he asks to come up I just come down and we talk and then I hold him and we just sit there. <laughs> and then sometimes I pop him on my leg and I stand up and I'll admit that because you know, that's also self-care because I just you know, want to be able to do that sometimes. So it's interesting that I haven't really considered and you, I think you've definitely brought this up that self-care, not only is it a practice but it can be a discipline and discipline, I was just reading, um, is actually from the word to love a thing so much that you dedicate yourself to it. Mm. So to love this act of taking care of yourself, again, the vessel, the temple that you are, that moves through the world, that allows you to experience everything, to love it so much that you're able to create boundaries, that you're able to be disciplined in what you offer it. So the other thing I'm doing because I'm part of your self-care collective is I am having a tea every day or a, what do we call it? An herbal infusion. That's <laughs> my herbalist friend in, in England. She would actually say herbs because they pronounce the H. <laughs> so I'm making a herbal infusion every day. And even just that, again, that it's so mundane, it's every day, it's so easy, you just pour water on a tea bag, right? Like if that's how you do it, or you take loose herbs and you just pour water on it and you can just do that, or you can just take that moment and thank the raspberries or, you know, the raspberry leaves or whatever it is you're drinking. I drink a lot of nettle tea. Mm, love that. 
so good. It's so wonderful and grounding. Um, so I think that's really, in, yeah, those are two examples that I think are um, probably the most important. I, I will also say I'm not dancing enough. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm just not, it is my practice, it is my discipline. And my son is transitioning from two naps to one. Oh my gosh, I just so, so much grief when that happened with Jonah. It's a game changer. And it is a short nap. I'm trying to, he he won't even sleep for two hours, crazy. It's not great. So I get to choose in that moment, whether it's shower, uh, nap, or clean at the house. And of course, I also, you know, get to do more things, but there's a lot of joy in, we have a, we have a yard, so we're outside and we run around together and I do move, I do move and um, maybe my self-care practice is expanding my version of dance at the moment because mm. uh, it is looking different for me as a pregnant mom of a toddler where I know you've been, um, my movement practice is, it can be really frustrating. You know, it can be really frustrating, <laughs> but, but it still, it still happens. You integrate it somehow. You just have to see it a little bit differently. It is the magic and the reality. <laughs> like, this is the reality right now. I have three minutes. <laughs> I got to make some choices here. Yeah. And the, there is a lot of magic in that. Like we, you know, I think this is like coming back to that idea that we're moving from like individualism into community and, and like how to take joy in the sacrifice and like you really see it as a form of like discipline and devotion is it's a good skill set for even if people out there who are not parents or have no desire to become parents like it's still a good skill set to start to do like what does it mean to sacrifice like a little bit of what I think I need in this moment so I can like serve a bigger whole and there's I, it's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of energy that comes from that I found and you know and I would like love it when they sleep for longer too <laughs> I'll be honest about that that's yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything in our conversation that feels unsaid that, or any last nugget you want to offer us here in terms of magic? I'm seeing magic with like little like Broadway lights around it. Magic. 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 I think one thing we touched on that is so important that we didn't really dive into and it's the, and it is a deep, I think the deep idea and a deep practice, but this idea of being in an, engaging in an energy that's aspirational. So we mentioned it a little bit when we are talking about prosperity. And, you know, again, this can get a little hippy dippy, like that movie, The Secret, which was like, envision your life, envision that red car. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. And I, but it is a little bit of that same energy but I, I want to just offer this to people because I've been studying imagery a lot. That was um, actually the last three years of graduate school was really well, four years, I guess. Imagery has been a huge part of that. And they found, researchers have found that if you can imagine yourself as healthy, even if you're stuck in a bed and not, not able to engage in the physical therapy yet, if you imagine you're doing these physical exercises, um, you will heal faster. Mm. They've done tons of studies on um, athletes where if someone is injured and they're still imaging themselves doing their, let's say the gymnastics routine, 
that they will get to that point of health quicker than if they stop even doing that mental training, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's called mental training, but putting it into your daily life of whatever it is that you need, you know, whatever you're feeling really, really stressed in a moment and just imagining yourself as calm will help you relax or uh, imagining and I like to use the word imagining but really it can be any sense that you use it can be your um it can be listening it can it's not just necessarily just visual the more senses you can bring to an image the more uh, real and the more effective it is so another example in my, in my world is um, imagining this baby I'm carrying as is healthy, is completely healthy, is just like surrounding them with light and also seeing all their cells being perfect. But you can do that same thing for yourself and your own body if you're having an ache or a pain or you're, you know, even just feeling sad, imagining your heart, your actual heart physically beating and the pumping of the blood and the cleansing of the blood as it moves throughout your body and just engaging with that heart space can really lift a lot of um, emotional pain, a lot of psychic pain and, and um, physical pain that they've found. So I offer that not just as a, um, you know, as a hippie, but also as a researcher <laughs> that I've become. These things really, really work. Um, so, yeah, if, if people want to learn more about imagery, there are um, resources, but the woman that I would point you to, there's a PhD in imagery, but she practiced long before that. Her name is Catherine Shainberg, and she runs what's called the School of Images. I have not personally studied with her, but I've worked with a book that she published several years ago called Dream Birth which is about mm. imaging your birth and your baby and your own journey through uh, pregnancy. It's been incredibly helpful, but wow. yeah. I'll put that in the show notes too. So people can check out her, her work and yeah. the book. Yeah. If I may, um, I have decided, and this is again, inspired by Gracie. <laughs> um, I've decided that even though I'm having a baby in 2021, I do want to be teaching. Yeah. So the way I've decided to structure it is by offering new moon and full moon circles that will be through Zoom and that will involve imagery and connecting to our own imagery and the life that we want to live and also will involve dance parties. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm there. Yeah. So it's called Dancing with the Moon. And the new moon and the full moon offerings will be different. And you can find more about that on my Instagrams. Um, and I'm still putting the languaging together, but you can probably expect a lot of um, photos of <laughs> moons that are in children's books because <laughs> that's the art I have access to. <laughs> and it's so good. I love, I love children's book art. Yeah. Um, and what is your Instagram for? I'm going to put it in the show notes, um, but I also, in case folks just want to hear it right now. Yeah, it's Sarita Lou, S-A-R-I-T-A-L-O-U. So that's how you find me. And it's it's open. I'm open. <laughs> you can just join. 
there's like some dance videos on there, but um, yeah, starting tomorrow, because it's a full moon tomorrow, I'll start um, putting some plugs in for this and getting our group together. And we're going to go all the way through 2021, even though I'll probably need a little support in May. <laughs> oh yeah, guest teacher. I, I love that. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, Sarita is just an amazing teacher. And if you are like listening to this conversation and you're like, I want to know more about the magic of my own body, like Sarita, go mm-hmm. study with her on the moon cycle. I will be there. We'll, we'll study with her. Um, yeah. Sarita, thank you so much for bringing, bringing your magic, bringing yourself, bringing your vulnerability and your power to this conversation. It's, it's, I get to benefit from it because you're my friend and <laughs> I'm just feel really grateful that people who are listening get to feel that. And I, um, I just hope everyone who is listening just takes the, takes their like very mundane bodies out today and feels a little bit more magical after listening to Sarita. Oh, yes. Thank you. That's a beautiful prayer for everyone. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> yes, me too. I know. It's like sunny here. We're going to go outside. I thought um, up straighter when you said that. I said, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> That's pretty magical. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. Take good care of yourself and let's keep going. This is, uh, this is just the next conversation in the series. So tune in for the next one that I offer as well. There'll be a few more. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.